Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts. Specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff, with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, Swing that handbag over your shoulder or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere, online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. <laughs> Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com BOF, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash BOF to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash BOF. What does it mean to be black and middle class and growing up in the age of the internet? Skateboarding became a segue into a camera, into filmmaking and into photography. So that's when I realized that's what a fashion picture could be. It's not a thousand things that I kind of thought about in a fictional way. The first black photographer to take a photo for the cover of American Vogue in over a hundred years. What do you make of the fact that there was no black photographer before you who had that opportunity? It's one of those things that doesn't dawn on you until you hear that fact. And I realized that I was about to do something very important. 
Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of The Business of Fashion. Welcome to the BOF podcast. This week on Inside Fashion, I sit down with a new fashion phenom. 24-year-old Tyler Mitchell made fashion history last year when he shot the cover of US Vogue featuring Beyonce. It was the first time a black photographer had shot a cover for Vogue in over 120 years. But Tyler, as all fashion people do, has an amazing and interesting backstory. So I sat down with him for this week's podcast to learn about what it was like growing up in Atlanta, Georgia, his time in New York, his new transatlantic fashion jet set life, and all of the tips and tricks that he's learned along the way on how photography is changing and how he's shaping his own career. So here's Tyler Mitchell, Inside Fashion. Good afternoon, Mr. Tyler Mitchell. Hi, Imran. Good afternoon. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. You have come to London on the hottest day in history. (laughs) So hot. (laughs) We are so hot. We are in the BOF HQ, which is unusually quiet today because most of our team has decided to work from home, Mm -hmm. which means we'll have silence, hopefully. Um, But thank you for stopping by on a warm day. Thank you. What brings you to town? Um, shooting a couple commercial projects and things okay. that I can't talk too much about. But I, I'm always here now. Yeah, I you have, like London. I, I have a girlfriend here now. Oh, wow. Um, and just I have lots of friends here now. I feel like I split the time, basically. I keep making the joke. Because I've done like 10 different projects, some personal, some here, some there. But I think seven or eight of them have been in London or in Europe. Okay. So I keep finding myself here. One way or another. Amazing. Yeah. And one year ago, yeah. about this time, you were shooting the Beyonce cover somewhere in the countryside. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about that a bit later. Yeah. But um, I wanted to start like much earlier on because you're obviously like this, you know, prodigy. But I'm always interested in, in, in learning how people discover what their talents are. Mm-hmm. And I know that... You grew up in the U.S., but do you want to just tell us a little bit about, you know, what life was like for you growing up, what you were interested in? Like, what were the things that were kind of piquing your curiosity and shaping your day-to-day life? Um, Yeah, I mean, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, which is a very, when you come over here, most people don't even know where that is. They couldn't even point it out on a map. Like over here, I mean, in London and in Europe, but it's it's like the capital of the south in a way so it is a metropolis and it's got a lot of you know history and background of kind of you know racial and identity politics among it you know it's kind of a liberal city but then it's got uh kind of conservative outside it's very reflective of the united states in a way georgia because what do you mean it's reflective of the united states i mean we're dealing with the big divide right now between cities and rural and suburban areas like you know People in the middle of the country and more rural areas are, you know, moving more conservative and metropolises are moving more liberal. So Atlanta and Georgia are kind of a like microcosm version of that, like a little mini version of that. And I guess I just grew up in that. And I grew up in the suburbs of Atlanta, basically quite normal middle class kid doing sports, like trying to play like three sports and be accepted normally until I started skateboarding Mm -hmm. because... I don't know why. I just loved it. I was like such a YouTube kid. So I would just go on YouTube and 
like look up how to skateboard or how to ollie on a skateboard or I want to teach myself so how to ollie on a skateboard is that yeah. a skate move yeah that's like how you jump okay to yeah. ollie yeah see I learned something new today <laughs> exactly yeah and that I would just look those things up and basically skateboarding became a segue into a camera into filmmaking and into photography because so many skateboarders um you know film each other they form communities they kind of like band together and make little videos and little crews and then upload them to youtube so i'm very much from that those are my beginnings weirdly like kind of a bit far away from fashion a bit more like skateboarding music videos um just uploading things to youtube uploading things to tumblr that was my origin story so I you guess. know it's always easier to connect the dots when you look backward i think it was um steve jobs who said that but if yeah. you look backward and connect the dots mm -hmm. to your growing up in atlanta in this city where racial identity is a big you know presence mm -hmm. where you're growing up in the suburbs as a middle-class kid where you're doing skateboarding and uploading to youtube like how have all of these different things kind of led you to photography do you think I mean, I guess the skateboarding part is very big in the way of community um, and in the way of like, I guess, image making. So many people come from that, you know, naturally. Spike Jones came from skateboarding. You know, he was making full length skate videos before he got into advertising. So many DOPs, cinematographers, directors. So it's a natural like filmmaking thing that that I think grew that part of my brain. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But then I think Atlanta and being middle class and that whole part. I don't know. I just, there's something that I'm now going back to in my photography, like that I'm now trying to revisit. What does it mean to be black and middle class and growing up in the age of the internet? Um, because you have so much time to like dive into the lives of others. Like I was watching, you know, odd future videos, skater kids like me who are in California and who are creative and making their own thing. So I had my own like set of heroes, you know, through the internet. So I think that is more the middle class thing. And that is more the kind of growing up in the South thing is, you're able to kind of dream of going to other places and like making images and like making skate videos here with this person or making music videos. So it was really community video making and like, like daydreaming, mm. I would say that I was doing a lot of. Can you tell me a bit about your heroes? Who, who were your heroes? Like who and, and why? I mean, so many, but Spike Lee for one, you okay. know, just being a pioneer in black filmmaking, um, uh, Tyler, the creator for yeah. kind of enterprising and ownership of his stuff, for his music, for his, just for his overall, you know, energy and output. Mm -hmm. um, let me think. Paul Thomas Anderson, weirdly. I don't even know if he would be directly like a, like a connection, you know. He's not thinking about me when he's making movies, but those movies just did something to me. And my dad also raised me watching like Alfred Hitchcock and things like this. So he weirdly raised me on movies too. He took me into like art house cinemas to go watch drive and things in Georgia. So a lot of more movies and a lot more kind of um, movies and musicians. Um, and then as I'm learning more about fashion, it's like people are telling me about models, you know what I mean? And, and, and do you know what I mean? This whole idea of like the models from the nineties and things like this. And I'm like, I didn't know about that. Like that wasn't yeah, in my are you born vocabulary. I was born 95. Okay, so you were like, <laughs> the 90s models, you were still a toddler. <laughs> exactly. Right. So if those were your heroes, yeah. I know you, you, you studied at, at Tisch. Yeah. So t let's talk about how you go from Atlanta to New York City. Yeah. And how, like, does it, like, blow your mind to make that It's leap? a big jump. I yeah. made a whole film about that 
for, oh, you Ameri- did. for American Eagle, actually. Okay. Because when I got to New York, everything changed. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that's such a big jump from Atlanta where my scope is here. And I thought, oh, maybe I just want to go to film school. And then you get to New York and that's like the hub of fashion of creativity of so many people with Instagram also kind of like booming at the time I moved, which was 2013. Like I was able to see what this, what Grace Wells Bonner is doing in 2014 at Central St. Martins are able to see what this person's doing. So my whole field of view was just going like this. It was just expanding and basically New York opened up the possibility to work with brands, to, to work and to, to actually support myself in terms of I want to support myself making images. So like the American Eagle video I made was very much about that story moving to New York. You should watch, you should watch I it I will sometime. watch it. Maybe we'll embed it in the, in the post so anyone who's listening and can I star watch myself it in it You too. star yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. That was a hard um, one. And is that where you first connected with fashion? Because like Atlanta's not known for being a fashion city. Mm-hmm. How, how did that... It's weirdly, it doesn't really have any fashion yeah. taste or like community at all, which is weird. But no, it was through New York for sure. Like, who is the first person I might have met? I that mean, was gonna what I was going to ask you. So, yeah? Yeah. Uh, like, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I remember that I was casted for this American Eagle thing. Okay. And I do remember that because, I mean, I was always reading Dazed, you know, and British magazines which was kind of subconscious, you know, again, that's through the Tumblr and the Pinterest thing is just you come across dazed articles or you look at videos on nowness. And that's part of just the vocabulary of growing up, you know, at that time and being on Instagram at 2013, 2014, 2015 area. But the first experience, actually, the first person I really met, like a fashion photographer, was Casper, basically, okay, because she shot me for that American Eagle campaign. And I was so curious. I was like, what is this? What is that? I'm pointing around the set. Like, what's that like? And what's like, what's your DP doing? And how does, I was seeing how a campaign was run in a way. Like, I didn't know what that looked like and that this was imagery that was going to be used to sell clothes. Like, I didn't see the inner workings of that until I met Cass. How did you get cast in the thing? Cass? How did I get cast? This girl named Amrit, um, who works at Starworks Group. Yeah. She cast me. Like you off the street or something. I was out and about. Like, I mean, I was kind of a, like in the social scene of like, I was within the realm of people she was probably looking for. Like sure. I would be out at parties, but I was mostly like an NYU kid, you know, but yeah. NYU has so much brush up against fashion in New York because fashion week is going on and kids go to cool parties and yeah. then things like that. Yeah. It's interesting how many creative people I've met recently, young creative people, who actually discover that there's so much more to fashion than they actually know from just the images that are created. Like mm-hmm. they don't understand mm-hmm. how much it takes to create the image. And the, a, the fa- a fashion shoot set yeah. is like an amazing place to see all of the different types of creatives working together. It's insane. Yeah. I'm still learning that right now. Yeah. Like I was having this conversation yesterday. Like it's insane how much goes into these images making these images it's incredible mm-hmm. I, I always get really um excited before shoots because sometimes you're bringing together a group of creative people who've never really worked together before mm-hmm. and like it's kind of incredible to see it happen That's you know once favorite. i got to sit well participate on the set of um tim walker when he was shooting sinead burke for our cover oh, wow. and that was just incredible because you could see the creative process happening in real life it was yeah. amazing i love that cover picture too yeah it was awesome she made it's amazing she really is yeah 
Um, shout out to Shanae. <laughs> so, okay, so you're at Tish. Mm-hmm. You're in the social scene. Mm-hmm. You're getting cast in these campaigns, campaigns and you're doing it's this It's all very thing. weird and new. But was there a specific moment where you realized that you wanted to make your career as a photographer, an image maker? The photography came from a few things. Um, also weird kind of like London connections. There was a photo- There is a photographer whose name is Cissé, mm-hmm. um, who's very much more in the music world, who um, came over to New York from London. And he was like, you know, he, he was doing his thing. He was kind of photographing. He was known for photographing rappers backstage. He was more on the music side. He was photographing like Drake and he was photographing Skepta at the beginning of the grime boom and like the pop world. Um, he was photographing, you know, ASAP Rocky and then Virgil, you know, in very early days. So there is some crossover with fashion. But he came to New York and we connected on Instagram and he stayed with me. And he was the first person who showed me. The workings of a film camera his equipment and from a photography side because remember i was going to like film school so actually he came over from london and showed me how to kind of be a photographer in a way he was going to he was more going to clubs and like photographing these important figures backstage so i was already drawn to this like idea of documenting important figures and like kind of being a photographer but i literally just watched what he was doing he brought me places during fashion week and i brought then bought the exact same camera he had i remember that i went to ebay the day he left and i was like i want that camera and it was a very cheap inexpensive like point and shoot film camera and i started constructing my own shoots um this was in 2015 and so maybe two months later i went to havana cuba through nyu because they offer like a you know a broad program there and an exchange with the photography program in havana and I don't know why I picked it, but basically one- That's an amazing place to take pictures, Havana. Amazing. That's where yeah. everything, that's where everything started. What, what did you do in Havana? That was four weeks there, um, maybe a little more. And it was, um, it was just a documentary photography program. There was this amazing teacher who was just pushing us to do different exercises. Go out and do this, go out and shoot that. So the first day that he brought everyone together, you know, we would do all these exercises each week. We would have to photograph something, bring in pictures, do critiques, things like that. I'd never experienced this because, again, I was on the film side of things. And Adrian, the teacher, first said, I want everyone to bring in their pictures, just pre-existing pictures. They can be iPhone camera roll pictures. They can be shoots you've done, whatever. I just want to understand where everyone's at, what everyone's into, and so on and so forth. And I brought in some of my little shoots from that camera. I bought, mm-hmm. I bought that eBay camera. And just constructed shoots with friends and he looked at the pictures and he immediately said these look like fashion pictures to me and i was like what are you talking about i kind of in a way like took a bit of offense right, to you it. thought that was a kind of insult i don't know what i thought right. uh, yeah i was you know because like, if you're a serious photographer maybe doing fashion photography is seen as a little superficial or something yeah maybe i don't know what i thought but i was yeah. like what do you mean by that because yeah. i don't know the first thing about like uh you know the history of louis vuitton or i don't know things like that right. so i was very new and he was like well they look like fashion pictures it looks like you dressed this person up in clothes didn't you and i said well yeah that that's what i did i put my friend in a sweater I liked and I thought they looked cool and the sweater just came from my closet. He said, well, that's a fashion picture. You, yeah, dr- you styled them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and you art directed it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't pure documentary because people weren't just as the way they were. Exactly. Right. So okay. that's when I realized that's what a fashion picture could be. It's not a thousand things that I kind of thought about in a fictional way. It was very concrete. So you come back from Cuba and you're like, you've got this 
kind of better understanding of where your career might go. So what did you go out and do? I made a book from those pictures okay. in Cuba. Um, I had all of this material that I documented of skateboarders um, and architecture. And I sent the pictures to a writer here in England named Ashley Kane. Mm -hmm. um, she's the arts editor at Dazed. And okay. they wrote about my pictures. That led to like a relationship with Dazed and they commissioned me to do fashion things. And that's how it got, that's how it really avalanched. Okay. Yeah. So the first time I came across your photos was when you did the, um, I was obsessed with Emma Gonzalez. Oh yeah. And when I saw those pictures on the cover of Teen yeah, Vogue. Yeah. yeah. I, first of all, I thought it was really cool that Teen Vogue was covering topics like that. Yeah. At a really good time. Yeah. And it was, it was just, it was so important what they were doing. And I've become really obsessed with Generation Z because everyone has their eye rolling reflections on millennials. Mm -hmm. But when I meet Gen Z, you're Gen Z, right? Technically, yeah. I think I'm on the border. Yeah. What is, what is Gen Z? I mean, what it's like after 96, I think. 95, okay, 96. So I'm right. Yeah. I'm 95, yeah. Um, but I was really into, into what those students were doing um, around gun control. Yeah. And I thought it was really cool yeah. that Teen Vogue put them on the cover. And then yeah. that's when I first saw yeah. your photos. T can you talk to us about that shoot and how that all, like, how did you get into Teen Vogue all of a sudden? Yeah, that was another one where it was like, for years I was knocking on the doors of magazines. You know, once I had sent pictures to Dazed, I was quite fearless about kind of reaching out to people who weren't, you know, across the ocean. Like, so I was kind of reaching out to Teen Vogue and I was reaching out to magazines in New York document journals and things like that. And I met the photo director once. We had an amazing conversation. I was very like politically charged up, like talking about, you know, what was going on with gun violence. Um, a project that I did for days, actually at first commission, um, featured a lot of pictures of boys with water guns um, and kind of allusions to, or playfulness around, or kind of like, kind of my way of dealing with um, what was happening in 2015 and 2016 with Philando Castile, Sandra Bland, um, and other police violent killings in America. So um, I was just very charged up already about like police violence, um, killings and guns in America. And we just had this amazing conversation, myself and the photo director. And when Emma Gonzalez came along, it was just like, it's time. Like we have to do something now before, especially that was right before the March for Our Lives, which mm -hmm. was the kids run, you know, rally in DC. Yeah, in DC, yeah. yeah. So it was just one thing after another. Like 2015 was such a charged time. 2016 was such a charged time with Mike Brown, with Eric Garner, um, both being killed. And then, um, yeah. So at that point, I think my work was also like edging on activism and politics in a way. Yeah, and it's interesting because the whole fashion industry seems to be finding its voice when it comes to addressing these kinds of issues. And I think yeah. it's really powerful when we can. No. Um, and so that's how you met Raul from Condé Nast, right? Yeah, And exactly. that's what ultimately led to the cover that kind of made you you know, this phenomenon. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, when, when people talk about that cover and, you know, the first black photographer to take a photo for the cover of American Vogue in over a hundred years, I think 120 years or something. I think 126. 126 years. First of all, what do you make of the fact that there was no black photographer before you? 
who had that opportunity. It's it's kind of insane because I guess it's one of those things where I knew I knew that Gordon Parks and there were black photographers that were shooting insides for Vogue and Harper's Bazaar. You know, Gordon Parks did some fashion stories in Paris and things like this, but it's one of those things that doesn't dawn on you until you hear that fact. And did you know that when you were taking it? Like it hadn't. It I knew hadn't it when framed. I was taking it. Okay, yeah. I knew it when I was taking it because I I did my homework and I realized that I. I was about to do something very important. And I think that was also a conversation with the magazine, like, and also a conversation, you know, with Beyonce and her team was that this moment was so important. Um, within Did fashion. you feel pressure? How, you were 23, course, right? I felt pressure. Was, that must have been so hard. Yeah. Like, you could, it's this historic moment. It's Beyonce and it's Vogue. <laughs> yeah. The weird thing is, I did feel a pressure. But also the way I am when I'm taking pictures is very like, everything's very natural and free. Like it was such a close and intimate dynamic. And like, even when I met Tim, you know, when I Tim met- Blanks. Yeah, yeah, Tim Blanks. And I, and I met him once and he had some similar questions. You know, he's like, did you feel pressure? And then we talked for maybe 20 minutes. Tim was like, I see now how, you know, you got those pictures of Beyonce. Cause you're just such a, you're just, you just, it's like a breath of fresh air. You're a very easygoing oh, that's person. That's so nice like, from well, Tim to say that. That's <laughs> a big like, compliment. You know how much we love our Tim here. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff. 
with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder or step out in that streetwear, you'll realise that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Um, so you weren't feeling pressure, but you were conscious and aware of the, of the importance of what was happening. Mm-hmm. So I know you have talked about this elsewhere, but mm-hmm. for the benefit of our listeners, walk us through that day. What, like, what was it like? Um, it was, it was an amazing day because first off, I remember it started with, um, you know, meeting Yvette, who is like the, like mother, kind of like fairy godmother of the Beyonce camp. She's her publicist. Um, she's working with me closely over the internet, but we had never met and we were so excited to kind of hug on the set. But, um, she already had such a warm energy and such like a positive outlook on the moment. I think she knew the way to the moment and she knew that we were also talking about at breakfast on the day of the shoot, what was going to be the text of the editorial, what was going to be the interview, which, or what was going to be anything. So, um, as you might know, like that whole text was her talking about the importance of the moment of the shoot, what's been going on in her life, um, what it is to be growing older, having, having babies, um, and also just everything in her artistic journey. But Specifically with the moment, I think Yvette, I could tell Yvette knew from day one that we met on the shoot that this is going to be very important. So that was the energy going in. Like sure. that was she. And I remember her telling me, she was actually tossing around ideas. She said, maybe you and her interview each other. And I said, what do you mean by that? <laughs> like, you mean for the article? She was like, yeah, maybe. I don't know. We're trying around ideas. She very much knew that this was important that the dialogue between her and I was important so that was just the day it was very clear open dialogue she was very warm um Raul was there and Vogue was very warm so it was actually like the best experience you could have really and then after the cover came out and there's obviously that big hoopla and it was like in the media everywhere and Mm -hmm. everybody was talking about it did things change for you? Did people talk to you differently? Did your career take a completely different trajectory? Were people banging on your door? Like what happened? Yeah, I, it definitely did maybe accelerate things. Mm-hmm. Um, when I shot the cover, I didn't have an agency, which is a big thing for a photographer. Um, I was talking to agencies, but I didn't have an agency. So well, that one, this cover must have helped that a little bit. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> um, and, you know, that that has changed exponentially just in terms of like my work and my output. That changes things about how you move through the world when you have an agency backing you. So how that do you can know which after. agency to go with. Like you might, there must have been more than one. Like, how do you how do you figure out if you're a young photographer? It's so hard. Yeah. It's kind of like record labels. You know, it's a really big thing in an artist's career or in a photographer's career. And a lot of the past year and a half before the cover, I was meeting with kind of every single one that I could. So I was doing my homework and I was kind of seeing who was around. And I also worked at one. I was an intern at Art Partner, who I'm now represented by. And um, 
working there taught me a lot about the inner workings, again, of fashion photography. So a lot of that was research and homework. And I try to pass that advice on to other photographers, like here's who you should be talking to, or here's who could help out, you know, because photographers, there's no roadmap for like what you're supposed to do in your career. And there's no kind of like, you know, ultimate guide to being a successful photographer. What, what happened to me accelerated my career, you know, but you in know, a when, big when way. I think you also deserve more credit because in everything that you've already said in our conversation thus far, it's very clear to me that you made an effort, mm-hmm. that you worked hard, mm-hmm. that you, you know, went and interned at an agency, that you asked questions on the photo set when you were there. And mm-hmm. sometimes that gets lost on people because they see this like media story or media narrative around success Mm -hmm. and it seems like it happens overnight Mm -hmm. and it happens effortlessly Mm -hmm. and whenever i'm giving advice to people i'm like nothing happens without effort and hard Mm -hmm. work you know and especially like with timelines now like on instagram there's literally there's condensed like time and space where someone's and I kind of make a joke out of it on my Instagram because my life is definitely accelerated in ways in the past year and so I do these posts that are all about teleportation and travel which is all about every time I travel somewhere I make these routine kind of teleportation posts because our sense of time and space is cramped basically you know people are posting highlights on their Instagram and they're posting you know media worthy moments but they're not posting the years in between the and the questions yeah, yeah and the mundane stuff that you have to ask or that interning teaches you or that asking questions teaches you so mm. yeah that's true yeah it's a good point so now that you have an agency that means they also get your commercial work right which is you know given that one of your first experiences is an american eagle video maybe that's not uh you know, distasteful to you, the commercial side of things. But I know another thing that young creative people sometimes grapple with is balancing the need to do commercial work that generates an income with the stuff that really drives them creatively. Like, how do you work through that? It's a very, it's always a balancing act. It's like weighing two things on a scale or something like it's just... For me, I've never run away from commercial work. A lot of that had to do with the fact that I was living in New York. I was going to an expensive school. I knew I wanted to support myself with image making. I didn't really see a plan B. I was that kind of like ruthless in a way. But a lot of it is like, also, I really actually, for me, enjoy in a way making commercial pictures. Like those things are ways to, the American Eagle thing I took as a way to kind of make a narrative about what an American, you know, man could look like. Um, when I was in the malls, like I didn't see people that looked like me on those um, ads for American what do you Eagle. Mean? Well, they didn't. They didn't have curly hair. They didn't have brown skin. They weren't black. Like a lot of those models, and they also and I and I read some great articles actually on Business of Fashion about this, about how those retailers had to, right? You, yeah. you tell me, have to kind of reshape or rechange their business and tell more interesting narratives. They couldn't just kind of sell back this idealized chiseled version of a man who's shirtless with American Eagle trunks, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's still an ongoing issue, I think, in our Mm -hmm. industry. I mean, everyone's thinking more broadly about what beauty is and what Mm -hmm. the the kind of ideal customer looks like or target customer looks like. And Mm -hmm. I think one of the big gaps that we've seen kind of open up is that there's such a big 
difference between, I think, the way the fashion industry has traditionally projected itself versus the people that are actually consuming the products and taking in the imagery. And as fashion becomes this like much more global, much more diverse um, industry, you know, there's a long way to go before we kind of find the right balance. Yep. Yep. That that's kind of the playing field that I'm interested in. Yeah. That idea of what beauty is. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So how does that how does that manifest now in the way now now you're a more seasoned photographer? I mean, you're still very young, but you've you've got you've got some good experience under your belt. Like, where do you think you can take it from here? What are your goals? Um, I look at people like Gordon Parks. I look at people like Spike Lee. I look at just other pioneers who kind of decided I'm going to change. I see that movies are one way or I see that images are another way and I'm going to just change what that's all about. So that's kind of my driving force, like my, you know, thesis statement. Mm -hmm. Um, I would like for images. And right now I've been kind of doing that within the fashion space to shape how we view identity, how we view beauty, you know, a lot of amazing black photographers have been doing this before me, too. So it's not the newest thing. There's been Kwame Braithwaite. You know, there's been um, people like Malik Sidibe who have been photographing their own communities and saying, this is this is beautiful. Do you know what I mean? Th- these people in Mali are beautiful in my portrait studio. Or, you know, Gordon Parks is saying these um, young, impoverished boys in Alabama are beautiful. Like those kind of narratives to me really excite me. So that's my kind of like driving goal is to also do that for right now within the fashion space. Mm -hmm. Um, It to me felt very narrow for a minute and Mm -hmm. I like that it's opening up. I like that BOF is writing so much about it. Like I read that, you know, what was it? Nine out of every 10 millennials wants to see a brand have, uh, you know, a, a stance on social justice issues. Yeah. And that they, that millennials only in the U.S. like represent, what was it, $350 billion of spending power? Yeah, I mean, I don't know the numbers by heart, but that sounds reasonable. And that, you know, what's interesting is those, if you take those metrics and you apply them globally, there's even more millennials in China and India. Right. So like, these are the people. And what's, what's amazing for me as I travel around the world, I, of course, you notice the differences of, cultures and people in different countries but i also feel like the in a way young people are more similar in china and in india and in south america and the u.s than they are different now because they all have access to the same technology and the same you know they're all following the same musicians and Mm -hmm. fashion brands and it's cool because it kind of levels the playing field for everyone but it also i think that's why there's so much of this impetus now for the, the industry to catch up with its customers. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So who's who are you really excited about in fashion right now? Oh boy, that's My, a hard question. What are, who are you excited about? Who are you excited about? I love Craig Green. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I that, just got a new Craig Green jacket. And I you know what's amazing about Craig Green is I love it from a fashion point of view, but I wear it in a normal non-fashion context and yeah. everyone says oh i love that jacket right. where is it from it has like a doesn't it have kind of a since it's it feels like it's pulled from so many kind of different places like you kind of see you know allu- like allusions to japanese culture with some of the shapes and silhouettes but then also like a bit african they like but then it's brought down and reduced to something very anonymous like that and is also, very global it has the same dna 
that he's had from his very first collections. Yeah. So he's one of those designers who managed to like find his voice mm-hmm. and keep kind of refining it and evolving it and mm-hmm. bringing in different references and different. I mean, I just I love it. So I told you me mine. Yeah. Who are yeah. you excited about? I mean, I love I love Grace Wells Bonner. Okay. I mean, I think she was one of my students. Really? Yeah. What? Yeah. At St. Martin's. What? Yeah. I mean, she's amazing. amazing. So tell me why you why you love her so much. I she's just incredible. Ever since the moment I saw her images, like her I remember she did a project in Senegal with Harley Weir. I remember she did a, a fashion shoot here. Um no, it wasn't a fashion shoot, it was a fashion show here, wasn't it? At Central St. Martin's, her graduate collection. Which was which was amazing. Amazing. Um ever since those moments, I mean the the idea of what a black man is and can be from her point of view, it just did something to me. Yeah. And she, the, you know, the clothes themselves and the, the world um, both kind of speak to something that I felt I was feeling all the way across the ocean. The, the idea that a black man could be something that is more effortless, more sensitive, um, or just that pushback against maybe what I just had seen before, but it just felt new to me. There's also a gender element in what she's approaching, right? So it's yeah. about, you know, I, I remember I was at that graduate collection show and, you know, you see so many of those collections yeah. all at the same time, but there's certain ones that stick in your head. And that, mm-hmm. that was a way you'd never seen a black man before on a runway. Exactly. You know? But also it was subtle. Like I think yeah. all, over all things, it was new and new things are fun and exciting, but it was subtle. It had a quietness and a beauty that was like, especially amongst maybe what my idea of fashion was before, which is bigger, more, more, you know, different mm-hmm. shapes and things that kind of like dealt in 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 ideas of like uh, gluttony or like, you know, kind of being over the top mm-hmm. or or camp or whatever, you know, this was this was quite like subtle and quiet and still beautiful. Because she's quiet and subtle, right? Which yeah. is if you like. Yeah. Have you have you collaborated with her ever? Well, no, but we've like we've just like been hanging out, okay, and just talking, and we've never collab. We always we were close. We keep talking about it. You should. I think you guys could do amazing things. Hopefully, we did give a talk at my first exhibition. I invited her to come, be on a you know we did a one on one at my exhibition in Amsterdam mm-hmm. this year, which Maybe was fun. We should get you and Grace to speak out voices or something and do something on stage together. That'd be fun. We should okay, do that. I will follow up on that. Um, Tyler, I'm getting really hot. <laughs> um, but we had a nice chat. Yeah. And we're not cutting it off. But, you know, it's really, it's so nice to talk to someone who's so passionate and curious. Thank you. And, um, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. It's really amazing. Thank you. Podcasts yeah. are the, hard. The in, they aren't hard. Yes, they are. <laughs> no, you did a great job. It's just okay. a chit chat. All right, all right. Yeah, you did yeah. a good job. Okay. All Thank right. you for having me. All right. Thank you. And um, I'm going to sign off uh, because I am definitely going to melt. And so is Yara, our lovely producer who's sitting with us. So um, I'm Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of the Business of Fashion. That's all for Inside Fashion this week from 100 degree Fahrenheit, London. Um, And hopefully it's going to cool down soon. But anyone who's wondering if global warming is real, I can tell you the evidence is in my office. That's all for now. See you next week. 
If you enjoyed this conversation, you might also be interested in joining BOF's global membership community, BOF Professional. Our members receive exclusive deep dive analysis in our Daily Digest email, as well as unlimited access to our archive of over 10,000 articles, our new iPhone app, special print issues, and all of our online courses and learning materials from BOF Education. For a limited time only, we're offering our podcast listeners an exclusive 25% discount on your first year of an annual BOF professional membership. To get this special offer, click on the link in the episode notes, select the annual package and enter the special code podcast 2019 at checkout. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please leave us a rating if you did. And don't forget to share it with your friends. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off-limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. It's advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies.